So everyone's a winner, except for the kids, I suppose. Yeah, but who cares about that? Four quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It was an exciting week with injuries so severe that a few of us are now being asked to join the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> so we have Connor here. We've got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, guys? How's all down in Cork? Not too bad. Uh, we had Halloween in the suburbs, and no kids came around for trick or treating, so everyone obeyed the rules, which was kind of disappointing. But we'd gotten some like Haribos <laughs> and stuff, so now we get to eat all the Haribos. Oh, well, that's a, that's a plus. Yeah. So everyone's a winner, except for the kids, I suppose. Yeah, but who cares about them? Expected at least one family to be like, ah, tyranny, let me do what I want. But the thing mm-hmm. is, it's very hard Everyone to go out trick-or-treating if you're also anti-mask. <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did my uh, move up to Dublin, so I'm now here and moved in. Uh, so happy days. I have to go up to Donegal tomorrow evening to go and collect the rest of our stuff up there but apart from that all good nice settled in the place is good we met our neighbours today so all going well so far nice little nice little spot I'm now living on the south side of Dublin so now I'm a posho whereas beforehand I was a troublemaker (laughs) we have a lot of news to push through this week so we will try and crack on with that COVID-19 updates Green Bay running back AJ Dillon has tested positive so he'll miss Thursday night football Jamal Williams and Kamal Martin are close contacts and Aaron Jones is injured so there's question marks who's going to be starting for them Dexter Williams Tyler Irvin people like this Uh, Baltimore cornerback Marlon Humphreys is also tested positive so he'll miss week 9 no other cases there Denver GM John Elway and Joe Ellis, our CEO, are positive, expected to be from outside of their team. And the last week saw positive tests in the Giants, the Chargers, Minnesota, Houston and Arizona, who were both on by and non-player staff in Tampa Bay and Denver. So there was no knock on impact to the week eight schedule as it was kind of small enough numbers that there was no issue. But uh, there is talk about, I believe, the NFL competition committee is bringing forward a contingency plan to allow eight team playoffs as the flexibility for the rest of the season, you know, the later it is that they hit a problem, the less likely it is to be able to flex it out or to, to, to find a workaround. So, look, not great for Green Bay. This causes some issues for Thursday night football. And, obviously, Baltimore being without Marlon Humphreys isn't great. But, overall, again, a pretty positive week in terms of dealing with it, not having too much of an impact type stuff. Like, it seems to be going okay for this kind of quiet middle section of the NFL season. The John Elway and Joe Ellis were there actively saying they think they got it outside the team. I think the, the current pattern, for lack of a better term, that exists would indicate that we're looking at a situation here where most of these are coming from outside the team and that the level of spread within teams is relatively limited. Um, so that's obviously a major positive. It kind of means that it doesn't get out of control mm-hmm. and that you don't have any super spreader events. I think, yeah, obviously for Green Bay, they're on a short week, which means that the, the five-day protocol for people who are close contacts where they have to, you know, stay away from the team uh, means that because it's Thursday Night Football, Jamal Williams and Kamal Martin will miss it. Aaron Jones right now, I think they're kind of pessimistic that he'll actually play on Thursday. So yeah, you're looking at guys I haven't seen in a couple of years like Dexter Williams and Tyler Irvin potentially starting for Green Bay. Not Green Bay, they're not a running team, so they'll be fine. And for Baltimore, uh, they they have a pretty you know tough enough game against Indianapolis this week. And Marlon Humphrey is obviously their cornerback one. And they're obviously dealing with some other injuries, but I think Baltimore are good enough that they can probably make do. The, the you know they they have the uh, they have the talent there to probably get by. And for Denver, obviously they're 
you know, John Elway and Joe Ellis are getting on, so there's a bit more risk there, but they should be fine. And yeah, I think the fact you had so many individual cases in the Giants, Chargers, etc. last week without affecting the schedule, that's obviously the template that they're hoping to follow for the rest of the season. So obviously the wider societal uh, pandemic isn't reducing in America at all, but the effect on the NFL continues to be relatively limited. Uh, injuries. This... Uh this year for the San Francisco 49ers has not been great. They've now got George Kittle, who's injured his foot, and he's out for eight eight weeks. And quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain, minimum four to six weeks. And the running back Tevin Coleman has injured his knee, so he's week to week. Yeah, like San Francisco, I think have, was it two or three starters on their defense playing? And now probably about the same on their offense at this point. This is this is very unfortunate for them, and it's going to be difficult to see how they can. Now they've been playing well with all the injuries, but it's difficult to see how they can keep that going, right? Look, Kyle Shanahan, he's doing miracles here. Like he, to be honest, since he's been the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, he's had pretty bad luck with injuries, except for that Super Bowl year last year. And it's, so it's come back this year, and it's really difficult to imagine how they can stay playoff relevant when you lose your starting quarterback um albeit Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been great this year due to that injury he's been kind of carrying around for a while but George Kittle he is the focal point of that offense and um, beyond perhaps the run game which is very effective and obviously the run game is now relying on people like Jermichael Hasty like to actually get it going and like I have a lot of confidence that the run game can still be effective within that but given all the other injuries on the offense and, and defense it's hard to see them that being enough basically so this kind of feels like those earlier Shanahan 49ers where they always looked like they could play but just the the level of, of attrition they suffered just undermined them and you know there's just a limit to every team to how much they can get away with injuries and I think we're probably going to see the limit with these injuries here. I mean I guess I'm just a bit more optimistic about it in the sense that having seen the Niners destroy the, the Pats two weeks ago with with basically half their team missing it, the coaching is i mean i, I think it's, as long as shanahan still turns up every week this team is going to be competitive they're going to scheme the the running back they don't doesn't seem to matter who's in the backfield they get they get uh, a lot of uh, productivity out of it jimmy g is not i don't think that important to this offense really yep, so I agree. Um, maybe not the loss of kittle i suppose is, is the big one he does a lot a lot of good work there but i mean i just I, I guess if for the Niners, if they're you know working with a, a reduced roster, they they know how to adjust for these injuries. I mean, eventually you just run out of players, but who knows? I, I think there's still a, a few more um, in the tank. I mean, I might talk about this when we get into next week's games about the, the Packers and the 49ers. No, of course, Baltimore's offensive tackle, Ronnie Stanley, has, I believe, broken his ankle. He's gone for the season. Uh, luckily, he just signed an extension, so he's got a five-year just shy of a $100 million deal in place. This obviously is a huge impact for Baltimore, who have a very good line, rely on it heavily for their running quarterback and for their run game itself, but uh, that's going to be a knock to them. And uh, They also, the Vegas Raiders had some offensive line issues as well. Their offensive tackle, Trent Brown, was receiving a pre-game IV, and the medical professional, as it seems, we only hire incompetent medical professionals in the AFC West, managed to put an air bubble into the bloodstream through the IV. Uh, he was rushed to hospital. It's unknown how long he'll be out for i don't think it resulted in anything major but they did have him in overnight for observation as well so offensive line woes there particularly for baltimore that's going to be a bit of an issue given they're now chasing in their own division the the, the trent brown situation is it's very dangerous like that that's the situation that can that can be very bad and apparently mm-hmm. he was like the team was aware he was getting carted out that morning 
Um, because obviously, given he was he was he, was, he, had, he had an illness, um, he was getting the IV drip. So obviously, a very scary situation. Hopefully, doesn't have any long term effects. But yeah, Ronnie Stanley, yeah, he got the big extension, so at least he will be secure. But yeah, that's a big loss to that offensive line. He's one of the better, you know, offensive linemen in the league. Um, he's been part of making them the best rushing team last year. And, you know, he's got a good grade by, by all accounts from the usual things like PFF. Um, so, yeah, like I think, you know, for an offense which is taking a step back this year, it certainly is not something that would help. I think with Lamar, you know, it shouldn't, you know, be a, a, like a season destroyer, but it's certainly one that yeah. might cap their uh, potential against these top teams couple of other smaller scale injuries that happened. Jacksonville quarterback Gardner Minshew has injured his hand, so he's out for one to four weeks. This means that six-round rookie Jake Luton is expected to start. Minshew was a six-round rookie, wasn't he? And Detroit wide receiver Kenny Galladay has injured his hip, and he's week to week. Uh, he was playing out of his skin for Detroit last few games. And defensive end Trey Flowers has injured his shoulder, and he's been put on temporary IR. Minshew was actually, you're right, a six-round pick, so uh, history repeats itself time and flat circle and all that and like to be honest people don't really know much about this jake luton kid except that he beat out mike glennon who's the other quarterback on that roster that's nice i suppose they probably just want to see what they have and yeah he's apparently a guy who kind of had to really work his way um through the college system didn't get any automatic starts so obviously uh, they've got the right character and yeah for detroit like look they're probably not playoff relevant given where they are in that that, that division but kenny galday has looked great when he's been healthy but He's back to being unhealthy, so that really caps how much explosiveness you can expect from that Detroit offense. And same on same on the defensive end as well. That that's a big enough loss for them with Trey no. Flowers. No, of course we had a we had a couple of interesting trades. We mentioned last week that we were coming close to the trade deadline. So I'll run through these, and then you guys just let me know which ones you think are going to be the most impactful. So Jordan has traded a fifth rounder. Uh, Kiko Alonso for Quan Alexander from San Francisco. Uh, Seattle have traded a seventh round pick and guard DJ Finney to, to Cincinnati for Carlos Dunlap. Detroit traded a conditional 2021 sixth round pick for Emerson Griffin from the Dallas Cowboys. Pittsburgh have traded a fifth round pick in 2022 for Avery Williamson, linebacker, and a 2022 seventh round pick. Tennessee traded a 2021 sixth round pick for Desmond King from the Chargers. Like, some of these make good sense to me. Seattle needed an extra bit of pass rush. Carlos Dunlap committee provides some of that. And Cincinnati needed, you know, a line. I think they made two moves uh, to, to, to pick up Lyman a guard here in a trade and someone who's a free agent. There's one or two that make less sense to me. Like, like the Quan Alexander stuff worries me a bit about San Francisco's plans, but maybe they are just going, look, we can work around anything at all. There's nothing groundbreaking in these, but... There's also nothing that makes me go, this is like the big piece that's going to change any of these teams. You know, with New Orleans, like I think they, they've struggled to find someone to pair with Demario Davis, a free agent pickup from, from a couple of years ago. I think Juan Alexander, he's been obviously injured for most of his tenure at San Francisco. Um, they have Fred Warner in San Francisco, so mm-hmm. he's the future at the linebacker position. And like San Francisco have been on a, on a buying spree for multiple years when they were building up that Super Bowl contender. And I think given where the cap is likely to be next year, they they need to create cap relief. And Quan Alexander had a lot of money. Now, New Orleans are actually in a much worse cap situation, to be honest. They uh, are in win-now mode. Uh, all, like, you know, they have no future, basically. Um, it kind of makes sense there. And for Seattle, like, look, um, they have no pass rush when they rush four. Curtis Dunlap's a solid, like, 10-sack-a-season type guy. That's exactly what they need. 
Yeah, so that, 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 that does make sense. With Detroit, like they traded for Everson Griffin. I don't know if that makes sense for Detroit, but Dallas obviously are clearing out a lot of players. They, they also released Antari Poe and Daryl Worley this week, so they're basically going youth movement for a lost season. And I think mm-hmm. the only uh, amusing one is uh, Avery Williams- Williamson has been traded by the Jets to Pittsburgh. He literally posted a photo on Instagram of him calling a cab, trying to get out of New York uh, as quickly as possible. <laughs> and to be honest, going from the final uh, winless team to the only undefeated team, I think he would be in a pretty good situation there anyway. Uh, apparently, the, he had some you know, things to say about the Jets anyway, but, uh, you know, in terms of wins, it's a good deal anyway. Okay, and on to Controversy Corner. We had one bit of interesting news this week. I don't, I presume you guys all saw this live. Chicago wide receiver Javon Mims is suspended for two games after sucker punching Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the New Orleans cornerback. He walked over to him after a play that he wasn't even being guarded on by him and slapped him in the face two or three times. He claims that he was spat on, confirmed that he had stolen the, the CGW had stolen his mouth guard and obviously he's going to appeal his suspension but uh, yeah it was real stupid why do these guys keep punching people who are wearing helmets like it seems like it's only going to injure your hand that, that's the difference between elite defensive players uh, and mediocre ones elite defensive players like Miles Garrett know to take the helmet off and, and use it as a weapon of, of course yeah <laughs> Look, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he's not someone people have heard of. Uh, his most notable appearance in our podcast is when he got was involved in a fight with uh, Michael Thomas, the wide receiver yeah. for the Saints. So I don't know what about him makes people want to beat him up, but uh, he's got that kind of a face, apparently. And yeah, the wins, yeah. he, he's, a, he's appealing, but uh, I don't think he'll, he'll have much to say here. Like, if you do that and punch them outside of the game action you have no excuse and uh, yeah i don't expect he'll get more much mercy even given the what he would consider extenuating circumstances leading up to it no and like at least like this one doesn't have like the kind of you know there's some justification in the like uh you got my sister pregnant and now you fucked off with the stripper instead like <laughs> that i can kind of understand this one was he stole my mouth guard and spat at me. Like, yeah, but it's, it's pretty weak, yeah. Perfect. Sure, we'll go and we'll have a look at all the games from last week. Okay, so first up, we have Pittsburgh at Baltimore, 28-24, to the battle for the AFC North. Ben was okay, 182 yards and two touchdowns, but they kind of pushed well at the end with an 80-yard drive. Uh, their defense did a great job, two forced fumbles, two interceptions, and four sacks. Like... Baltimore looked to be kind of controlling Pittsburgh for the first half of this game. Just look at the offensive outputs, like 457 yards to 221. But Lamar Jackson made mistakes. They had turnovers. He had drops. It was just it was just a shaky game overall. They looked like they should have handled this game and just were not able to do so. Whereas Pittsburgh, while it's a good win, didn't look amazing. They were competent and held it together in the right spot, and their defense did kind of kind of roughed it out for them but yeah like this is a this is a baltimore team that is looking for all the you know the off-season hype of they're going to be better than they were beforehand they look decidedly worse than they did last year i i kind of thought it, in my mind was kind of a good game between two good teams and um, i was very impressed with the baltimore d in the first half for a kind of holding the or crushing the steelers and the steelers having to rely on their own defense to kind of keep them in the game uh, until they finally got going uh, in the second half. I mean, I have heard a lot of criticism of Jackson for this uh, performance. And yes, I mean, the the interceptions were kind of poor decisions and kind of costly in that regard. But but they were trying things that they haven't been trying for a while. I mean, I, I would agree that the team has lost 
a little bit of their mojo um, from from last season. They're certainly not at that level, and they've come up now. Their two losses have been against the kind of the two top teams in the AFC, so we can kind of get a sense that they're not at that level. Um, but it did feel that they were kind of more together this week than they've been in the past few weeks, and ultimately there were there are errors there. And the custom. I mean, I was impressed. I thought, I think, with the Steelers' possession in the second half, that they just kind of made the adjustments, got things done, and kind of kept themselves in the game until they get ahead, and then they could get got themselves back ahead when the when the Ravens did so. So I, I would be less kind of kind of down on the on the Ravens and more kind of praising the Steelers for kind of pulling out a, a good win against a good team. But certainly the Ravens, I think, are a step below this kind of Steelers Chiefs tier, um, and they're they're. They're going to struggle, I think, to, to kind of keep the pace with Steelers, especially now that they're two games behind um, in the division race. The Ravens were the better team here. They should mm. feel bad about losing this game. They were 17-7 at the half. Their defense was pretty good until late. Their offense was better, but they made the mistakes. Lamar Jackson just can't make those mistakes. He can't throw a pick six early. He can't you know, run uh, when it's not appropriate. Yeah, and you can't make those mistakes. It ends up costing you because, you know, Big Ben, one drive, really doing backyard football based on what he was saying after the game. That's not good enough. Like, like, like to be fair, the team, the, the, the unit that won this game was the Pittsburgh defense. Like four turnovers, four sacks. They kind of showed up. And on that final drive where Baltimore had the chance to win the game with a touchdown, they, you know, they, they gave up a lot of kind of medium runs, which kind of ran down the clock. Um, it's toss play seemed to be weirdly effective against them to be honest uh, at the end of this game but ultimately when it came down to that red zone defense Jackson looked scared they got him under pressure and uh, the final play for Baltimore ended up him being scrambling and getting tackled very easily by that defense so yeah look Pittsburgh as I kind of alluded to many times they're the most complete team probably right now but I do think that they are certainly beatable and they should have been beaten this game so you know, Pittsburgh, they say undefeated, but uh, we'll see how long that can continue. No, of course. New Orleans at Chicago, 26-23 to 23 in overtime. New Orleans kind of escaped this one because, yeah, they were 10 points ahead and then the Bears just started coming back. Breeze was fine, 282 touchdowns. Kamara was, again, just their guy, 163 yards. But, yeah, like, Foles just managed to come through in the clutch to get them back up and to a tied game. Then they got to the overtime, and I remember I was watching the overtime and the Bears' defense stepped in and stopped the Saints, and then the Bears got the ball, and I was like, "Oh, Grant, I can go to the, I can, I, I can go to bed now." And I woke up to find out that they had lost the game somehow after that. <laughs> like Foles, you know, two touchdowns and interceptions, solid. Montgomery over a hundred yards. Aaron Robinson, eighty-seven and a touchdown, and some truly amazing catches. Their defense was very good. Their offense. Ugh. Like, I, I, I was messaging saying, look, this, the defense of the Chicago Bears is going to keep them in an awful lot of games. Like, this is, you know, against Jordans, who in theory should be much, much higher against them. But could you imagine, like, if they had just had, like, a proper kind of, like, 12th best quarterback in the league kind of thing sitting with this Chicago team? Yeah, but, uh, you know, Foles is better than Trubisky. I think we're seeing that. He's more willing to... Although although I, d- I did note that some of the commentators were discussing, oh, this is what you'd really want Mitch Trubisky in, like, what? Two or three yeah, games away from him, and like you suddenly forget <laughs> how shit he was. He can scramble. Okay, thanks, commentator. But can he pass Alan Robinson? No, Alan Robinson has looked way better since Foles came in. And even Darnell Mooney had a pretty decent game here. He's been targeting a number of deep shots. And look, Foles isn't the most accurate deep thrower, but he, at least he throws it deep to the right person um, more often than not. 
and keeps them in games uh, long enough that for the defense to matter. So yeah, like look, look, New Orleans, like you know, they're just very, very methodical right now on offense. Um, and the method is get the ball to Alvin Kamara because Breeze can't throw it more than ten yards. So mm. I think you know Michael Thomas, his ever, <laughs> ever you know ever ongoing story of when he's going to come back. He could definitely come back and make this offense more dynamic and more varied. But and I believe look, Kamara Emmanuel is able Sanders to... is back from the COVID stuff this week, isn't he? Yeah, so that that might help as well. But like, look, we we know what the limitations of this New Orleans team are. We know that the defense is fine, but nothing more. And they just feel like a poor version of the version we've seen the last few years. So look, they're they're still in contention for the playoffs, but they just don't feel like that uh, Super Bowl type contender that they may have been recently. And yeah, Chicago are they're just Chicago. Like they got that defense, they got folds. They're they're figuring it out. They're getting wins. It seems more likely than not they'll be in the playoffs based on their current trajectory, but. And they could definitely beat a team on their day like they nearly mm-hmm. did here. But uh, look, uh, I don't think Foles is about to do another Philly special here because this team just overall is just way too inconsistent and mm-hmm. the offense is just way too unreliable for them to be anything more. And look, yeah, like uh, at least Foles makes them not completely unwatchable. So I'm yeah. willing to tolerate it for now. I guess the question with the Bears is how far can this defense carry them? Because we can, we've seen that there's a very clear ceiling to what the offense can do. Uh, and it certainly seems they always seem to get stall out around 20 points um, or so. So it is just a question. Um, and I agree. I mean, I think I said this maybe the last week or two weeks ago. I mean, the Bears would be so much more um, of a threat if they just had a solid, reliable, boring quarterback instead of this up and down stuff that, that makes the games maybe more exciting, but ultimately isn't going to do much good for the Bears going forward. And on the the Saints side, I mean, it is it's the same story week after week after week. I mean, we keep talking about the potential of this team and the, the what they're supposed to be in terms of being Super Bowl contenders, but every week they are eking out narrow wins uh, against middling to to kind of somewhat good teams, and um, it's going to get them into the playoffs. But you would worry what's going to happen when they run into the first big really big team, really good team that they face in the playoffs. Um, I just don't know if Breeze has it anymore. He definitely needs more help from the receiving core. He needs to get the, the, the players back that are missing. I'm kind of at the point now where the Saints, in terms of their ambitions, I mean, I can't see them much more than winning the division in terms of what they expect to do and then going out early in the playoffs because certainly there's, there's this level that they're supposed to get to just doesn't seem to be there. Chargers at Denver, oh God, 30 to 31. The Chargers are going to charge. Like Denver got to have a walk-off touchdown and point after after being down 14 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> like Locke remembered how to play Ooh. football late, 248 yards, three touchdowns and interception. Lindsay was going off like just just huge yards per carry and got a touchdown, nearly 100 yards, and a good job from their defense as well. It was just. Yeah, like Herbert looked great. The Chargers have what looks like a franchise quarterback. They were hammering this game. They were they were just coasting. And then the Chargers do what the Chargers do and they just donkeyed away another win that they should have had. I like their coach. They need to fire him though. He doesn't know how to manage these games. They've got all the skilled players in the world and they can't sort this stuff out. And yes, Herbert threw an interception they shouldn't have thrown and stuff like that, but yeah, like Denver shouldn't have been able to come back into this game and 
they have the personnel in, in 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 the Chargers to be able to just to just kill games dead in theory. And why they don't do it, I don't know. So good win for Denver. The Chargers look. You know, you've got reasons to be positive out of the back of this, but this is a game that you should have won, and you had won, like, if it had literally finished five seconds earlier. It's interesting, Connor. you, you talked, uh, I think it was maybe last week, you, you talked about how the, the Pats um, are had 20 years of success based on the, on the crapness of the division around them. I'm beginning to get the same sense with the Chiefs. This is, these are a lot of teams um, that are kind of very mediocre going nowhere. The Chargers certainly look to have more of an upside. You imagine Herbert is going to be a star, whereas mm. with Locke, I mean, no. we're half a season into this, this kid now, and he's he's only shown very brief flashes of being good. I mean, I agree in this game that the, the Chargers, you know, they, they let this one go, but I think both these teams are probably more thinking long-term going forward, uh, and in the long-term, it's the Chargers that probably look like the happier team. Uh, in this situation, and maybe this season just needs to be considered a learning curve for both of these teams. Yeah, but it's the Chargers. Like, they never learn. Like, they had Philip Rivers for <laughs> over a decade, and they lost loads of these games. It seems, I don't know if I want to say cultural, or it's a curse or something, but they they just have this really bad habit of losing, and the fact that Herbert is replicating that so soon um, just it doesn't feel good. Like, I know that's not actual analysis. That's just, like, heebie-jeebie, Halloween, late Halloween type <laughs> stuff, but it just seems to be true for this team. There just seems to be loser teams in the NFL, and the Chargers, for, for all their promise, seem to be one of them. And, yeah, for the Denver Broncos, they, they get away with this. But, yeah, hand the ball off more to Philip Lindsay. Like, Melvin Gordon is meh. Uh, and, yeah, just keep lock, you know, keep the short passes going to Noel Fant and don't try those deep shots because... Uh, yeah, he just tends to throw too many picks in that situation. And, like, look, Herbert deserves a little bit of the, the hate here. He did throw that pick late. Um, he should have been a bit more, uh, you know, the game they lost to the Chiefs, similar. He made a mistake. Lots of promise, but just needs to cut out. You don't want to get those Danny Dimes type uh, situations happening. I was, I was listening to a bit of analysis on him. Apparently, one of the problems that people had with him coming out of college was that he was too safe. And I think they are specifically trying to coach Herbert out of, being overly safe. The problem is, don't go too far in the other direction or you'll end up with a kind of Jameis Winston-style situation. Never but, go full Jameis. Oh, yeah. By the way, I heard a great suggestion the other day, which was like, why the fuck wouldn't they do it? Why don't, instead of selling off their entire crew, why don't Dallas just trade <laughs> for Jameis Winston? Because he would work fantastically in that offense. Like, loads of fast receivers throw it up to like they'll accept 30 interceptions as well like that's fine but yeah anyway that's, that's a conversation for a different time Tampa Bay at the Giants Monday Night Football 25 to 23 oof just about just about Tampa Bay managed to beat out Danny Dimes 256 yards two touchdowns two interceptions they tried for a two-pointer didn't work although the rest picked up a flag after a turnover and yeah it was just yeah they just missed a couple of 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 shots here Tom Brady looked okay human we'd say 279 yards two touchdowns but the Tampa Bay defense showed up big three sacks two interceptions only 350 yards allowed we'll give them credit for it they showed up they looked good this is the fucking giants they're playing right (laughs) allowing the amount that they allowed is a bad sign get us Monday Night Football I get they're on the road and all that kind of stuff but like the Giants the Giants are terrible they they, they they aren't actually as bad as you think. They're like the boring Chargers. They're just really good at losing games. Like they 
They lost to like the Eagles when they should have won that game. They've been close in pretty much every game. Well, in several of their games against pretty good teams. Um, for example, like the Rams. But the, their biggest problem is that their offense um, is doing... Like Donny Dimes is turning into Jameis Winston. He gives away the ball far too often for what is a surprisingly overachieving defense and uh, to be fair, fairly decrepit offense to do anything. He man- nearly managed to make a comeback here. Um, with the two-point conversion and to be honest that probably was pass interference on the two-point conversion but yeah like like Danny Dimes he fumbles the ball he throws interceptions he's just you know you can't have a starting quarterback who, who can do that and I think like John Boyce is he had a joke on Twitter it's like I can't wait for another 14 years of having no idea if the if Giants have a good quarterback or not um, <laughs> and yeah it kind of felt like that whereas <laughs> if you look at the other side Tom Brady he's solid he takes what's there. If it's not there, he throws it away, you know, and it means that, yes, they kick more field goals than they possibly need to. But with that good defense, with the run game being OK, it wasn't great in this game, but usually is OK. They can afford to do that. And that's basically the Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl formula that worked in New England. And yeah, like Tampa Bay every week seemed to be getting coming more and more New England like. And for, for Tampa Bay fans, that must be really exciting. I just can't figure out what the books are and what level they actually are. That they go around, they blow the Packers out by like 28 points, and then they go and they, they only scrape past the Giants. It's it's a team that seems that when it's firing is unstoppable, but ultimately the the, the defense is is where the stars are. And if the defense is is maybe, I mean, it, you know, the the stats were there for the defense, but they still you know gave up too many points that they should. I agree. I mean, this is the Giants. The Giants aren't good and um, they've shown us nothing um i think this season to to make the case um for that they've been losing to the cowboys they've been losing um to everyone so this is a, this is a strange one as i said with the with the saints being not quite where they should be this uh, nfc south division is up for grabs and the books should be contenders for that but they really got to get in a consistent vein of form um, because when they're when they get have this performance level against teams that aren't the Giants, like for example when they played the Bears, they end up losing these games, and they're going to be dropping games that they shouldn't be dropping, and, and ultimately that could cost them uh, a good seed. Um, which when they have the team that they have uh, is something they really should be looking to to utilize. No, of course. Uh, we're going to start kicking up uh, gear a little touch here. So Minnesota at Green Bay, 28-22, to bit of a surprise result here. Rodgers, 291 yards, two touchdowns and a forced fumble. He was strip-sacked on a Hail Mary attempt as basically the, the, the Minnesota Dalvin Cooks, we may as well call them at this point, were able to just <laughs> destroy them. Dalvin Cook, 226 yards and four touchdowns to their quarterback cousins, 160 yards and a touchdown. Like, neither team's defense were really at this game, I don't think, apart from obviously that big move at the end from the Minnesota. Yeah, it's it's a very Minnesota thing to basically play your way out of the postseason early on and then beat Green Bay at home. Like, Minnesota have a formula for winning. It's just, yeah, feed the ball to Dalvin Cook. And, like, Dalvin Cook is, uh, along with that Kubiak offense, he, you don't, sometimes that just goes off and it worked here uh, delightfully. Like, you know, they went in 14, 14 at the half. Both teams had two drives. Both teams had two touchdowns. These were both teams who were eating up the yards and just kind of working each other. But Green Bay had a slight wobble, not even a huge wobble, just a slight wobble in the third quarter. Um, Minnesota got 14 points and then 
yeah, the defense did enough to keep Rodgers in check. And yeah, obviously they, they, they were on a Hail Mary drive at the end. So obviously you could see they were in a bit of a bad situation. And he got strip sacked uh, while trying to do that. So look for Green Bay. It's another game where they got ground out going all the way back to the playoffs last year. This seems to be a bit of a trend. Tampa Bay last week. So for Green Bay, you know, we thought early on maybe they'd turn over to the Leaf and now they're a new, tougher Green Bay. But uh, this feels a lot like the kind of issues we had when considering him as a contender last year. Yeah, we're going to need to see them show a bit more backbone in future games if they're going to go all the way. New England at Buffalo, 21-24. to A monumental game, as I think it's the first time in 25 years or something that that the Bills have managed to uh, to beat their division rival, the Pats. Cam, 174 yards passing, 54 rushing, a touchdown and a fumble. Uh, yeah, look, they were coming in to try and win the game and he coughs up the ball on the final drive. It's not really a great look for New England. That's probably their their shot at the postseason, at least as winners gone. But like Harris, 102 yards and touchdown, Myers, 58 yards. Like the run game for Buffalo was good. Zach Moss got heavily involved, stealing all those fantasy points off Singletary. Josh Allen's not looked good for the last while, 177 yards at touchdown and interception. This was two offenses that were struggling against each other, and Buffalo managed to just hold on a little bit longer. Yeah, I wasn't impressed with either team in this matchup, Sean. Yeah, this is just an absolute heartbreaker for a, a Pats fan to watch. After the debacle of last week, the improvement was remarkable. They really came to fight and to play and to do so without Edelman and Nikhil Harry and Stefan Gilmore and to push the the division leader this close was um, really a great performance um, all around. Um, although the deficiencies of, of the Pats teams are very obvious at this point, their, their run defense seems to be non-existent. The Bills do not have a run game, and yet they are able to get up uh, almost 200 yards um, of running um, in this. Um, and ultimately, the, the kind of a slow start that the Pats had to both halves, where they gave up uh, running touchdowns early in both halves, ultimately is what cost them here. They were able to get back in, into the game um, after tons of errors early. Cam finally got into his passing groove after about five games of not um, doing that. And they were getting somewhere. They were keeping it competitive, kept it tied. And then the final drive uh, where in field goal range, but decide to go for the win uh, and Cam coughs it up. And his face when he realized that he'd cost the game was just, um, I mean, I really felt for the guy because this is, this has been a very tough year. When you consider the, the COVID situation as well, it's been a very tough year all around for the Pats. Uh, and this is going to hurt. This is basically, I think, their season over now. They're two and a half games behind the Bills. The Dolphins are looking strong. It looks like that they're out of contention to win the division, and they're not going to make the the wild card be, you know, unless they start to get a, a good run of games together. For the Bills, I mean, they were fine. They they have a, a strong pass game and a weaker run game, and this game was the opposite. The, the run game was strong, and the passer game was much weaker. But again, this is the team that if the Bills want to be properly competitive in the AFC, this is the kind of team you should be crushing. I did get a sense there maybe was kind of psychological issues that they, you know, they'd only beaten Belichick's uh, Pats five times out of the last 40 or something. So, you know, a win against New England doesn't come around very often about pulling it out in the end. But in the end, the Pats kind of gave them the win. Um, So for the Bills, yeah, not really convinced. As I said last week, it's been about a good month since they played well, and this was also not... I'm a very good 
um, performance. No, of course. Actually, well, we're going to move into the speed rounds now, just one or two lines on the following matches. So, Sean, I'll come to you first. Vegas at Cleveland, 16-6. to A bit of a snooze fest here. Yeah, so this was a brutal weather game. Yeah, the, the weather was just just awful in this game. There were both teams actually had field goals which were looking like they were going center and then were dragged noticeably wide left and by the wind. So both teams were really struggling with that. The difference between these two teams in the end is that the the Raiders were able to score a touchdown. They were able to rely a little bit more on the reliability of Jacobs. Uh, even Carr had a more reliable game, whereas on the other side of the ball, the Baker Mayfield was was... I mean, he, he got up a couple of numbers near the end, but ultimately his passing was a bit all over the place, uh, mm. and the the Browns seemed to focus too much on the pass game at the end. I mean, you could write this off as, as a weather game with not much to learn, but perhaps we did learn that the Raiders are able to grit out a win when necessary, whereas the Browns um, just um, aren't. No, of course. Ronan, Atlanta, Carolina, 25-17. to 17. They won one. Yeah, they held on. <laughs> like, they, they set up the opportunity for Caroline to get back in by missing a point after touchdown and by Gurley going out of bounds on their final drive uh, to stop the clock. Uh, but they got an <laughs> interception on Teddy on Teddy on their, on the, on their on Carolina's final drive. So, look, Ryan was solid. He got 300 yards, a touchdown interception. Julio seems to have really helped him since he's come back. Uh, but the red zone was a bit of an issue. Only four out of six ended up in field goals instead of touchdowns. And look, Teddy was bad in this game. 200 yards, touchdown interception. Uh, but he did take a cheap shot in this game from Charles Harris. Mm. Um, so maybe that affected him late on. But like, look, Carolina, they are an average team. They're probably better than we expected, but not not playoff relevant, really. But, you know, they get Christian McCaffrey back either this week or next week. So we'll see if that can reignite them to looking maybe more like they looked during their, their better periods this season. No, of course, Tennessee at Cincinnati, 20-31. to 31. Joe Burrow lit it up, 249 yards, two touchdowns. Behind that makeshift offensive line that they've been trying to add to. But this was a story about Tennessee's defense. They weren't doing anything. Zero sacks, zero turnovers. Tannehill didn't do a huge amount either, 253 yards and two touchdowns and interception. Like late on, he remembered he had Davis there and Davis had a good game, over 100 yards and a touchdown. But A.J. Brown did nothing like... 25 yards or so they need their defense to step up to stay competitive Cincinnati looked good they've got the the, the running back Mixon coming back as well so also if you want to look they have a strong meme game if you check up Cincinnati's Twitter account said I didn't hear no bell next up LA Rams at Miami 17 to 28 Tua gets a win in his first one Ronan yeah but didn't really contribute much to it he had like less than 100 yards and he fumbled the the get the ball early on but like look he got he looked a little bit er, a little bit better as the game went on but really this was a game Miami won with the coveted four types of touchdown pass touchdown run touchdown defensive touchdown special teams touchdown punt return uh, to have a 28 to 10 lead at the half and they just seemed to stifle Goff even when he kind of got yards later on he just seemed to he threw another he threw a pick in the second half and he just never seemed to get in rhythm so look Miami they have a really, really young defense and uh, the coach, Brian, he's really getting in their faces and doing innovative stuff with them. And for the Rams, like they, they, they kind of feel like a, a poor man's uh, type of Vikings type team or a poor man's Ravens team mm-hmm. when their run game is stuffed and Goff, the game is put in Goff's arms. We, we, we've seen that they're not really an elite team, but look, they have a good record. They might sneak into the playoffs, but I think we can see that they're a flawed team. So. No, of course. How Miami keeping that uh, AFC East interesting. Indianapolis at Detroit, 41-21. to Look, one-sided game here. 
Rivers looked better, 262 yards and three touchdowns, but his running backs were just playing well. Hines had two touchdowns, and Darius Leonard in that defense, five sacks and interception, kind of sealed the deal for them. Stafford looked solid, but Galladay wasn't there, and the rush wasn't, rushing wasn't doing anything. Like we said, just a bit of a broken team in the Lions. Indianapolis looking fine, but again, like not a huge amount to take away from that game. Uh, next up, Sean was watching his Favorite NFC East, Dallas at Philadelphia, 9-23. to Big win for Philly here over Danucci. I mean, a bit of a dirt bowl, I guess you would call it. There was tons of turnovers <laughs> and errors and everyone playing really poorly. The The Cowboys started reasonably well, actually. They, they were getting a little bit of momentum together, even though Danucci wasn't fantastic. They had a lot of kind of trick plays that started that worked very well at the start, but when they kept doing them constantly over and over again, um, eventually they were figured out they just couldn't keep up eventually the eagles realized that they actually could just win the game um just um by doing the bare minimum and they did uh the final i mean the 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 kind of the big score that killed the game off just to kind of demonstrate how much of a dirt bowl it was was a fumble that was from Danucci that was returned for a touchdown and um, but there was a good kind of five second period where both teams were kind of look staring at the ball and thinking about, is this ball still live? Should we pick it up and run it? And eventually one of the Eagles' defensive players just picked it up and ran, and the refs were like, yeah, that was a live ball. Congratulations. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Eagles are going to the playoffs, we would hope, um, but this game just demonstrates just how bad the NFC East is. And really, there, there's, there needs to be talk about either disbanding this division, getting them off prime time so they can learn to get be good before they get attention again, um, or just taking a playoff, the playoff, automatic playoff spot off them because neither of these teams should be anywhere near um, football in January. Yeah, that's why it's going to be uh, the Washington football team's going to come out of nowhere and, uh, and steal <laughs> that spot. San Francisco at Seattle, 27 to 37. Ronan, your boys took care of business against a division rival. Yeah, like San Francisco are banged up. Jimmy G was unhealthy, and the, the, the Seahawks for once actually you know, did their thing on defense. Like Bobby Wagner had two sacks out of three. They had an interception, a forced fumble. They just blitzed a lot more than they've done perhaps in recent weeks. And it made a big difference here. Um, on the other side, Russell Wilson cooked up with DK, uh, another offensive masterclass, 160 yards for DK and two touchdowns. Uh, his first one was just him getting the ball and then just sprinting past the rest of them. And his second one is basically he had a defensive back draped on his back and he's like oh who's it who's that so yeah like look like i think it was important for the Seahawks to get back on track after the lost arizona but yeah for for san francisco that this game looks closer than it was because nick mullins got some garbage time points but uh yeah i think you can tell that they've been attritioned out of being relevant because we know if they were healthy they'd be very relevant but i think right now it's hard to see them making that leap, especially because the NFC West is so stacked right now. No, of course. And finally, Jets at KC, 9-35. to About as one-sided as one would expect it to get. Yeah, like... I think it was Mahomes, 416 yards, five touchdowns. The defense did a great job, only allowing 120 yards. Darnold looked injured. Yeah, like... The run D did nothing. I saw a lot of cheering online by certain Jets fans saying, oh, look, we held Lev Bell to, I think it was like 15 or 20 yards. <laughs> they didn't really need to use him very much in this game. I don't think that's really a point to be, to be cheering on. Adam Gase needs to be fired about a week ago. 
But uh, yeah, nothing to learn in that game apart from uh, some nice looking highlight reel pieces. That's about it. Uh, so I suppose we'll go and look at the games for next week. So first up, Thursday Night Football, uh, Green Bay at San Francisco. Both teams suffering some injuries, but obviously San Fran a little bit more so. I've gone for Green Bay. Fitz has gone for Green Bay. Sean has gone for San Fran. Look, Aaron Rodgers is playing, and I think he's going to be annoyed at the last loss, and we saw two weeks ago. You don't like having to deal with pissed-off Aaron Rodgers, specifically when you're missing about 90% of your starters. That's the basis for my call. I guess if this is a kind of a strange one, um, given the where the Niners are to, to pick them to win, given that the injuries that they're suffering from. But I, I mean, I just, I really like the way this team is coached. I think Shanahan will have a game plan and they will execute it. And we've seen the Packers. I mean, I, I guess I buy into this Packers soft underbelly theory, the idea that the Packers, if you can get at them, if you can, if you can kind of stifle them a bit get them kind of ruffled then they fall apart and that feels like the Niners could do that and that's the kind of thing that they can do even necessarily without kind of all the the talent um, that they're missing and look as they demonstrated two weeks ago if the Niners have a, a person uh, in the backfield as a running back that person will end up getting 200 yards it doesn't really matter who it is um, at this point so I'm just yeah I, I'm gonna go for a, a coaching masterclass um, that gets the the Niners a huge win and, and sends the Packers into full blown full blown crisis. Cool, cool. Uh, we've got Houston at Jacksonville. We've all gone for Houston in this one, Sean. Yeah, I mean Jacksonville are, are a terrible team, and now they don't even have their quarterback anymore. They've got some random guy who you know uh, nobody knows anything about, other than he's must be better than the other terrible backup quarterback that they have. Houston, I mean, the season has been basically a write-off already, but they had shown flashes. Um, the game against Tennessee two weeks ago or last week was was a, a good demonstration um, of what they're capable of, and I, I would think they would have it too much for a Jacksonville team that really aren't going uh, anywhere at all. No, that's fair enough. Giants at Washington. Going on for Washington. Look, the best unit in this t- in this game will be the Washington defense. The Giants are doing nothing. Washington are home. It's in division. And this will then really put the Washington football team on track to challenge for that divisional crown and their rightful place in the playoffs. Uh, and the Giants will fall further down. Next up, Baltimore at Indianapolis. We've all gone for Baltimore in this one. Yeah, look, they might have lost this week, but they are still a top-to-bottom kind of elite-level team, right? Yeah, and I think, like, look, the Colts, you know, like, Philip Rivers uh, apparently was saying after the game that they won this week against the Lions, like, dang, now we could be undefeated. And it's like, go out and prove it, Indianapolis. Like, you've been solid at <laughs> times, but you've never shown us a complete performance where you go, oh, that's a, you know, an AFC championship-winning team. That's a team that can beat a Baltimore, beat a Chiefs. Like, they have Darius Leonard back. That does make a huge difference to their defense. They are at home, but just when you stack up the talent, when you stack up the, the coaching, and you stack up the quarterbacks in particular, you're kind of going, like, Baltimore, they're going to be angry, they're going to be out for revenge, and they're going to do a number on this. Like, I think Indianapolis will keep it uh, close enough that it won't be a complete blowout, but we'll see the difference between a genuine title contender in Baltimore and a middle-of-the-pack, you know, maybe can win the AFC South-type contender in Indianapolis. Look, if Indianapolis win this, I'll change their opinion, but until then, they're firmly in that middle-of-the-pack. Yeah, I mean, I would say this: these are the kinds of games that the Ravens have been winning this year. They haven't been beating the good teams, but they have been getting over the line against mediocre teams, and I'm 100% behind uh, Fitz's uh, kind of idea of the Colts. They haven't shown me yet that they deserve to be in a conversation 
um, with uh, a potential beating of a Ravens team. And if they do that, then maybe we can talk about where they're going. But as it is, I think they're just going to come up short against a team that just has much more talent than them. No, 100%. Detroit at Minnesota, a game that I have no interest in watching. Fitz? <laughs> I've, I've gone for Minnesota, so have you, Connor. Uh, Sean's gone for Detroit. But yeah, like this is uh, the, the two basement dwellers, I suppose, of the of that division kind of swilling around. But yeah, I, I don't really see much happening here. Look, I think the, the, the both these teams are really up and down any given week. Um, Minnesota are playing a team that is below 500, so they definitely have a shot. But it'll be Green Bay, which is very... Uh, unusual, actually. I didn't. We didn't even mention that, Connor. Uh, how unusual that is. But uh, that is, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, it's an oddity for them. Yeah, but I suppose Cousins had nothing to do with it. So that that kind yeah, of yeah, that's the thing. Like it's Kirk Cousins can't beat them, but Dalvin Cook because he was their offense. So <laughs> yeah, and like look, like like Detroit just lost Kenny Galladay. I think that is a huge loss for them. And yeah, like if Minnesota can run like they did against Green Bay, which Detroit's defense has not been nothing special, then this should be a fairly one-sided game. If not, then it might be a bit closer. But yeah, you can't trust either of these teams uh, at any point going forward. Next up is Sean's pick of the week, Chicago at Tennessee, and we're split. Me and Sean have gone for Chicago, and Fitz has gone for Tennessee. So Sean, tell us a bit about this one. Yeah, this is a very interesting game for me because both these teams are in a a spot where we're not 100% sure about how good they are. So the Bears have been kind of fighting over their talent um, for the, the entire season, they're still, I think, 5-2 and two or, or something mm-hmm. like that. So they're still well above where we expect it to be. Uh, and this is a game, but these are the kinds of games where it's going to be interesting to see at what level the Bears are at. Fighting against a Tennessee team, Tennessee has a very strong start to the season, but has kind of fallen away. Um, a struggle uh, against the Texans two weeks ago and then a defeat last Sunday. So the, the Titans, I mean, when... When Tennessee Ryan Tannehill turns up, the Titans look very strong. When Miami Ryan Tannehill turns up, they they tend to look absolutely terrible. I kind of believe that the Titans may be low in confidence after their defeat. Uh, and the Bears' defense, I think, is of a quality where they can kind of stifle them and, and kind of get shake them up a bit and kind of get out the win. Chicago have been kind of... They've been a team that's been eking out wins, and this is the kind of game where if a team's going to finish 11-5, and 10-6, these are the kind of games that's going to eke out beating up good teams who are on, on a downward slide. Yeah, it should be should make for a very interesting watch. Looking forward to that one. Carolina at Kansas City. We've all got for Kansas City in this one. Yeah, look, we discussed it. Kansas City are playing very well at the moment. Their defense is firing. Their offense is firing. Carolina look very middle of the pack. They might get Christian McCaffrey back for this one, which would make it more interesting given Casey has been weak against the run. But barring a big upset, I don't see it being too surprising on that one. Uh, Seattle at Buffalo, we've all gone for Seattle across the board. Like These are both playoff-level teams, but Buffalo at the last couple of weeks, like the last three or four weeks, I just don't know what to make of Josh Allen and this offense. And this their defense hasn't been great this season, whereas Seattle, yeah, they've lost one or two close ones, but they played well last week. Overall, they've got a very tasty-looking offense, and even though they're traveling cross country, it's hard to look past them, right? Yeah, I think you've said it. Like, they're just there's something wrong there. Like, considering how good Josh Allen was early on in the se- season, it's just been really unusual to see what's going to happen here. And I think you know Seattle, you know they get Jamal Adams back probably. They got Carlos Dunlap is in after the COVID protocol of five days. So they'll have more weapons available to attack him. I expect them to bring more of the blitzes that we saw against San Francisco, put the pressure on him, 
reduce his clock and see if Josh Allen can deal with the pressure. And I think you know Buffalo will try and do it against New England where they ran the ball. But the Seattle defense, for all its all its issues, uh, with the exception of that Vikings game, has been pretty solid against the run. Um, so I think you know Seattle, they're a more complete team. They have so much ex- explosiveness on their offense, and compared to where Buffalo are right now, they just look a lot better. But look, if Buffalo could get back to their early season form. And, and certainly a few weeks ago, this would have been like a high-priority game. But given where Buffalo are right now, I think you have to favour the Seahawks. Yeah, next up, Denver at Atlanta. Uh, me and Sean are going for Denver. Yeah, that last 10 minutes of Drew Locke convinced us um, <laughs> versus Atlanta. Ronan, tell us a bit about this one. Yeah, like we, we probably won't spend too much time in this because neither of these teams are going to the playoffs. But look, look, Denver, like fair play to them. They got a win, but they didn't deserve a win. And Drew Locke, to be honest, is looking pretty bad except for maybe like two drives a game even on that game winning drive he wasn't actually that good and Atlanta like look they're they're rehabilitating themselves I know they lost that game to the Lions but since Raheem Mars came in they've been a much more solid unit they seem to be playing for pride or perhaps their future contracts and they're just I think they they, they are close to what we thought they are like a kind of 8-8 type team and I think an 8-8 type team can beat this Denver team Um, I think the main thing is is the offense kind of keep going against a pretty solid Denver for uh, defense Uh, and also once again Denver you know if you want to win this game give it to Philip Lindsay it's a pretty good yeah he's a very good runner and you have seemed to just not realize that Uh, next up's my pick of the week Miami at Arizona I find this one very interesting me and Sean have gone for Miami and Fitz is sticking with Arizona yeah basically like look see some more Tua see what they look like their defenses look very good the last couple of weeks like Miami are sneaky quite fun and are playing their way into contention in the AFC East Arizona I'm also intrigued by because you know, they're, they're coming off a bye, so that's good. They had the big win against Seattle, but they've also had some absolute stinkers up to that point this season. And we thought that all the shine was coming off them. So I kind of want to get a feel for what they are like. They're coming off a bye, so should be well prepared. This should give us a better flavor for what they're going to look like in the second half of the year. Because I still don't quite know how to rank Arizona. But yeah, like this should be an exciting game. They're too okay defense who occasionally show up real big they're two okay offenses who occasionally show up real big like it has the chance to be a an okay game or all the way up to a very exciting one so i think i'll i'll take a shot on that and kind of get a good bit of a look at tua but yeah i'm, I'm gonna go with them just on the surprise factor of miami but uh i'm looking forward to that one pittsburgh at dallas sean uh we've gone for pittsburgh across the board yeah the best team in the nfl against a team that is doing its absolute best to be the worst team in the nfl has only been stopped by being the worst team in the nfl by the fact that there are teams that are actually somehow worse than them um (laughs) i cannot see this being competitive that pittsburgh defense will crush the living soul out of whoever um is uh the quarterback for the cowboys and um, Rotsburg will get it done against a very poor uh, Cowboys team. Odd, odd, Pitt, odd, Pittsburgh's put up a big score, I would say. Odd question on like kind of a fantasy perspective, which we don't really do a ton of in this thing. Like, surely in a game like this, you'd expect Pittsburgh to be resting starters from the third quarter onwards. I don't know. It it depends. What uh, is Tomlin? I don't know if Tomlin. That's part of his kind of philosophy. He seems to be a kind of a, a serious. We we do things right every week kind of guy. So maybe he'll be pushed them to the end. I don't know. I mean, possibly that they'll get up by twenty and then and then stop caring. But I would expect them, even if they if they put out the junior team for the to second still half, be able still to, to be yeah. comfortable against the Cowboys. Yeah. And no, there's, of course. there's just a small bit of breaking news relevant to this game. Uh, Andy Dalton has just been put on the COVID list. <laughs> so, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that doesn't change the outcome, but uh, might change the pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, a nice divisional matchup in the AFC West, Vegas at the Chargers. Uh, I've gone for the Chargers, and you guys have gone for Vegas in this one. Yeah, look, I feel you. I can see the Chargers making a balls of it again because <laughs> they they have form, but they're at home in this one. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not so sure. I'm kind of because I called Vegas to win last week, but I'm not, I'm not that sure of them to be honest at the moment. Like, I don't know how to gauge them. They played fantastically against Kansas yeah, they City don't... and they just haven't looked the same since. Yeah, like they're a very middly type team. They feel like they've reverted back to being an average team after showing flashes, as you said, of being a excellent team against Kansas City. I think Jacobs looked a bit better against Cleveland in mm. bad conditions. I think if he is getting healthier over time, that will make a huge difference for the Vegas team. But like the, the, this team kind of feels like a Derek Carr team. It's fine. It gets the job done. It's actually having one of its better seasons. And they know how to close out a game. Whereas the Chargers, look, you want to watch Chargers games. Like Herbert's really fun to watch. They have a, you know Bosa and, and Ingram on the defense. But they don't know how to win games. They don't know how to close out games. And you know, despite the difference in records, these are probably two fairly well-matched teams. But if it's a situation where the, the Raiders need to salt this game away, I trust them to do it. Whereas if it's the Chargers, I could easily see them dropping the game. And, you know, being able to win is a pretty good skill to have in the NFL. And the Chargers just lack it right now. I've just, I've kind of, I've got that feeling in the back of my head of almost an overcorrection of them. Like, you know, the Homer Simpson punching and it's like, stop, stop. They're already dead. That the Chargers are just going to try to not stop punching again out of fear of fucking up like they did previously. Next up, we've got Ronan's pick of the week, and it's a tasty one. Yorland's traveling up to take on Tom Terrific in Tampa Bay. Yeah, Sunday night football. They picked uh, right this week after last week's uh, somewhat <laughs> less than enjoyable uh, offering uh, from the NFC East. Now we go to the powerhouses of the NFC South. Uh, Connor, I believe you're going for New Orleans. Yeah. Me and Sean are going for uh, Tampa Bay. And look, look, <laughs> Ta- Tampa Bay are probably the form team in the NFC um, alongside maybe the Seahawks. And it's just a situation where, look, they're at home. We saw what they did to Aaron Rodgers a couple of weeks ago. Um, they did it to Daniel Jones, but I suppose that's less impressive because it's Daniel Jones. But Barely like, look, to this Daniel Jones. Is, yeah, this <laughs> defense is really good. And the big, big thing that they have is they have Levante David and they have Devin White. And what do New Orleans rely on? They rely on Alvin Kamara. And Devin White strikes me as one of the few linebackers in the league who could basically spy Alvin Kamara and actually keep up with him and actually finish the tackles and actually keep him in check. And if they can keep Alvin Kamara in check, even if Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are back, uh, I think that offense basically takes a major step down. Look, if New Orleans get all their weapons back and they put it all together, like they can make this happen. And like, look, as I said, Tampa Bay... They, they, they have been a little bit wasteful in the red zone. They haven't necessarily converted their uh, dominance into, into um, massive points totals every single time. But I just think that defense is so good right now. And New Orleans offense is so limited by Breeze being able to pass more than 10 yards that it just feels like a good matchup uh, situation. And Tampa Bay can get a very important uh, win in terms of signaling that they are the elite in that division and perhaps the elite of the NFC. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the the Bucks feel like a big game team. They seem to raise their game when they're when they're facing major rivals, and this is the biggest game of the season so far. So, Tom in prime time 
the Saints not looking like where they should be. I think the books have enough here. I think the the Saints, the Emperor has no clothes with regards to the Saints. I think I think we're going to finally see that they're not quite at the level um, that the hype has them at. We'll see, we'll see. Like, the one thing to bear in mind is when these teams played at the start of the season, like, they didn't rely entirely on Kamara. In fact, Murray had more carries in that game. Like, they were able to spread it around and deal with this defense. And yes, that was a couple of weeks ago. But, like, this is a team that, okay, they defeated the, the Green Bay Packers well. We said that there's a chance they're a soft-bellied team that are quite beatable at times. Like, they barely beat the fucking Giants. Like, that is a big red flag for me. And I don't know. I, 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 I'll be intrigued to see. I wouldn't be... I could, I could see the defense stepping in and destroying them, but I could also see tom terrific making a couple of mistakes and not being up to scratch like like this is this this is this is a game that i could quite easily see new orleans coming in and and, and getting away with win and i think what we'll see is if that starts to happen we'll get exactly the kind of games that john has been mentioning that new orleans seem to be having of late where they will just win by three or five points like not by a ton but that they'll just kind of be able to to, to drag the arse out of it a bit my one piece of advice is just stop bringing in Taysom hill for plays it's a fucking waste of yeah. time. Please stop doing it. You're not uh, smart and you're not funny. And I just I just think like just in terms of that week one game that they lost, like I do think like there has been a bradification of this team in Tampa Bay. They are much closer, as I said in the review for last week, to a Tom Brady team, a TB team, than they are to being an Arians team at this point. There's a lot less penalties, they're a lot more efficient and a lot more crisp. So, uh, I, I like, uh, New Orleans won earlier on the season, but I do think the trajectory of these two teams are moving in the opposite direction. But, like, look, it's a great game. New Orleans are a very talented team. They can certainly put up them. But I think based on the trajectory of this season, I see Tampa Bay is asserting their, their dominance at this point in their, in their season. No, of course. And finally, New England at the Jets. <laughs> I, I can just picture... Bill Belichick sitting into his office on Monday morning and being like, thank God for the New York Jets. That this <laughs> a team that is in crisis and their season is falling apart, but yet they get to now do put on the, the comfort blanket and, and beat up the team they've been beating up for 20 years. I mean, if the Pats lose this game, then it really is all over. Um, the, the, entire, <laughs> the entire franchise may as well disband at that point. Surely, Harry Carey time a, for for Belichick at that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even even a Pats team in crisis, which is finding ways to lose games that they're getting competitive in, is surely going to be too good for the New York Jets. There's just nothing in this Jets team that is that is any indication that they're capable of winning a football game. Never mind a football game against their long-term rivals, which who constantly beat them uh, year in year out. Yeah, it's uh, it's not much of a game. I would, I will tell you something. I'll not be getting up on Monday night for that now. I'll tell you. <laughs> but no, um, apart from that thing, guys, any crack with yourselves for the weekend? Any plans? We're still locked down, but you know, or are we getting our exercise uh, well, in? Well, there is there is the big, the big event tonight. The uh, what big event? The, uh, I haven't been following this at all. Now. What 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 are you talking about? <laughs> the the fight for democracy in America final chance for america to redeem its soul um before it lapses into um authoritarianism and decay uh might be staying up to to see how many uh red states joe biden can claim um and then spending the next month waiting for the various court battles to decide uh who actually does get to be president 
obviously future the future people <laughs> who are listening to this will know what happened yeah but but by the time you get this you'll actually have heard what the results are or at least you know as, as sean said the, the starting point of the negotiation for the results for but, uh, whatever yeah. four years ago getting up to watch the results coming in that was good fun now i'm just more like huh, that that can be a problem that tomorrow's connor has to deal with <laughs> i think that's how we all feel to be honest <laughs> But uh, uh, no, I'm heading up to Donegal to pack up the rest of my stuff and just then to move it all down here. And hopefully, I'm sure some of the listeners will have picked up on some of the audio issues today. Uh, I'll have my, my, my internet installed and everything and I won't be running off hotspots and everything uh, next week. But uh, yeah, no, it should be good. I'll be busy, but it'll be good to see the folks. I haven't seen them since September, I think the first, second week of September. <laughs> It'll be, uh, that'll be good fun. But uh, yeah, no, apart from that, nothing else. Just watching football and watching results. And yeah, should be good. So I suppose for now, that'll do us for this week. So it's bye for myself, bye from uh, Fitz. Bye. And bye from Sean. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.